It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number 973-667-1960. We'll open up those lines for you early in the show. If you want to get in, you can. Or hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Apologize for a slightly tardy start today. A little bit late getting back from the facility as we begin to slowly transition back there. Uh, I'm not sure that means we're going to go back to video when training camp starts. That could still be um, provide some issues there. But either way, we should be back in the facility one week, one way or another, come the start of training camp, maybe even a little bit before that. So That would be good. That's that. That's the good news, if you want to consider that good news. Mr. Fiegels, how are you today, sir? Good, good. Man, John, I feel like it's been months since you and I have done a show. Well, last week, I guess, but it's been a long weekend. <laughs> yes, it was. A, <laughs> how, how was your weekend, Jeff? Oh, it was awesome. It was all really good. Well, we stayed at home, local, so uh, just did some golfing. Uh, very hot in a few days, but um, a very good overall great, great holiday weekend. And um, got a little confused on the observant of July 4th is a Monday when I figured July 4th was actually Sunday, but a lot of stuff happening on Monday, like the parade in our town. I thought it was Sunday, but it was on Monday. So anyways, but we got that all taken care of. I'm good now. Okay. <laughs> That's, you know, that is good to hear that that the Fiegel's usual confusion. Yeah, it, um, it has, exists has everywhere. Yes. It's not just in, you know, who played where and what and names and all that kind of stuff. It is actually it's real life stuff. The struggle is real, John. There you go. Real life stuff. The struggle <laughs> is real. OK, fair enough. See, usually with time, you're good. Memory is a problem for you. But usually with time, you know, Je- I, Jeff is never late, folks. Just I'm for the never record. And, and when Jeff I am late, late, you know, there's something going to be wrong. So, yes, and generally I am not late either, but I had Well, I mean, listen, I, you, today, you've done a good job. Yeah. At, I mean, for, for the people that don't know, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a trek back and forth from the facility to John's house and a lot of stuff going on. So you well, had some traffic. And, 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 well, usually it's like eight minutes. Today ended up being like 13. I hit a couple of lights and yep. ended up, anyway, not, not that important. So anyway, today is one of our uh, favorite episodes because we're continuing mm-hmm. our over-unders. Last week we did offense. This week we're going to continue and do defensive players. For Giants over-unders, which is a lot of fun. What was your general takeaway, Jeff, from the over-unders we did with the offense last week? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me what the uh, overall takeaway was from the big match yesterday. Did you get to watch it? I did not. I did not watch it. I was uh, I was watching NBA Finals. Yeah, I'm and, sure. I, and, I, and, I, and I know the golf match was on before the NBA yeah, Finals. I'm sorry but... to interrupt, but but yeah, it was fun. It was fun to watch. But I tell you what, I I, I uh, being the huge golfer, you know that I am. I got a little tired of it. I turned it off after nine. It was just, it, it was really, enough. yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's, I think the nine holes probably would have been enough. It's, it came on at five thirty, and it was scheduled to end at 1130. So, I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of golf watching four people. Um, and hearing Tom Brady and, and Bryson DeChambeau. Were they mic'd up the whole time? The, the whole guys? time, the whole time. Now, was it, was it interesting? It is interesting from, if you're a golfer, it's interesting. And I'll tell you who does a really good job and we'll get off the subject in a second guys, but uh, Phil Mickelson he, he is just – obviously, he's an amazing golfer, but I, I really like the way he tried to brings in the, 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 the fans into the broadcast because, you know, golf is one of those sports where if you play it, you know how difficult it is. But you get to hear from a level of these guys – these are professionals, so you really get to hear how they, they kind of break down their shots. 
And it's truly amazing at how, number one, good they are and accurate, but they execute these shots. And it would be just the same as if you were talking to me about punting or Daniel Jones about throwing or Eli, you know, those kinds of things. It's very, to that point, I enjoyed it. Um, the sarcasm and some of the, you know, the back and forth, it was okay. I don't think you have the best uh, and the most amusing people. I think that Aaron Rodgers is basically a stick in the mud. I mean, I, it's like watching paint dry. with. So, this, so with is guy. he boring or is he just like a grump? Is he like the Lance Both. Meadow of like NFL quarterbacks? Both. Both. <laughs> Both. Yeah. He's just, he just doesn't give you anything, you know? And, and I think that, you know, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Um, and then, by the way, he continues. He made some really clutch putts and some shots. That's Tom Brady, right? But, you know, I think you look at Aaron Rodgers and he's just like, now obviously he doesn't want to tell anything about what's going on in football. So that was kind of like just the big elephant in the room. Nobody wanted to address it. Now, now did they ask him about it and he they ignored did. it? Or? And actually, the funny thing about it, John, is they have uh, Charles Barkley on there. Oh, jeez. And, and he'll ask anything. Of course. That's why and Charles so is the best. That's probably why he's there. And um, so he did ask him and Aaron Rodgers told him that, hey, Chuck, I'll, I'll let you know this week so you can leak it. That's what he said. Oh, <laughs> so, I don't know. It was, but anyways, uh, do you it still was fun have the watch. same sense that you did before that he will not play for the Packers this year? Is that still your sense? Yep, I do. I still, I'm sticking with that one. I mean, he hasn't talked to anybody. He hasn't been to anything. Um, so uncharacteristic for him. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's getting closer. But now, rumor has it, John, that I that I was reading that he he was not on the opt out list. Remember we talked a little bit about how yes. he would be able to save money which, if he was which, a... which, by the way, we're not surprised by because then that would, you know, he yeah. wouldn't be able to get traded at that point and things like that. But it just, it just, you know, it it kind of eliminates that. Everybody was kind of thinking maybe that might happen, but it didn't. So, you know, now we're going to move on. It's got three weeks left. And by the way, we got three weeks left until it is showtime. Here we go. Well, again, it's a little more than that because the players show up on the 27th, but the first practice won't be until like the 30th. But I still think that, you know, right. as soon as the guys start coming in, I mean, that that's like it's time, you know? Yeah, you should have heard that's Dettino you're yesterday. Gonna, like, you're going to live there. You so. could, like, sense Dettino's, like, blood pressure and excitement going up yesterday talking about it. <laughs> of course. Anyway, let's— So, anyway, so uh, to answer your question before, over and unders last week and Mondays, uh, my overall is that, you know, I think that we have some high predictions for some people, and I think collectively we all probably thought about the same, but there were some differences— um, and you know, I don't know where they were, maybe the tight end position a little bit. I think with, um, Evan Ingram and, uh, you know, Rudolph, if there's, who's going to be the more, I mean, obviously Evan Ingram's going to be the more guy, but uh, I don't know. This, I, it was good. And I, I enjoyed it and I'm going to enjoy this one because I feel like the defense is probably a little bit easier, um, just because we don't have as much, you know, and there's mm -hmm. not, there's not as many players. So, um. But, I mean, listen, if you wanted to break it down, there's there's a lot of defensive linemen. There's a lot of linebackers and edge rushers. So, um, Yeah, but I, don't, I don't think we're going to go that deep. And yeah. I, we also have to decide, too. Like, I, I'm leaving this open. I didn't come with a, with a firm plan here. So Jeff and I are going to kind of figure out mm -hmm. what we should do on the fly here. We have some obvious things we're going to do, but other ones I think we can leave to the imagination a little bit. So Okay. Yeah. We're good at that. Okay, so let's get started here. We get down to our defensive over-unders. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegels, if you already have a caller on the line, by the way, if you want to get okay. in and try to contribute, please get on the line. But the phone's going to be busy right now. And again, we don't have a screener today, so we're just gonna, you're going to hear the show, and then we're going to bring you on. 
Okay, so let's get started here, Jeff. Defensive over-unders, let's start the category that most people are concerned with, and that is sacks, and I will let you select the player that we will discuss first. Well, I think we got to discuss who we think is going to lead, and I think that's easy. Okay, so you want to okay, so you want to start with the big boy, mm-hmm. Leonard Williams. Mm-hmm. All right, Leonard Williams is an interesting case. Okay, mm-hmm. last year career high eleven and a half sacks. Prior to that, the last time he had more than five sacks was seven, all the way back in two thousand and sixteen. So that is four seasons prior. Other than that, he's had a five sack year, a three sack year, a two sack year, and then a half sack year. The good thing about Williams, he always plays. He's played 16 games in Mm -hmm. every year except for one. That's amazing. He's always on the field. So if you look at his underlying pressure numbers last year, you know, pressures, hurries, quarterback hits that PFF tracks, Mm -hmm. they were pretty consistent with what we saw from him over the course of his career. So the sack number got elevated, but the other metrics did not. And as you know, sacks can be a very inconsistent category from year to year because it's impacted by a lot of things. Does the quarterback hold the football, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Who the other guys are on the line. Correct. All those things matter. So 11 and a half last year, Jeff, it's our responsibility since we're the first ones up. We actually are setting the number and Mm -hmm. then we're going to select over or under. Okay. So the question for you is how aggressive do you want to be here with Leonard Williams? And the other number I'll throw out there too is that other than Aaron Donald in the last five years, no defensive interior defensive lineman has had double-digit sacks in consecutive years. Other than Other than Aaron, Aaron Donald, who is that, just a freak show. Yeah. I think Aaron Donald actually leads the league in sacks the last five years. If so you put them all take, together. Take, he's the outlier, so take him out. Yes. And nobody's, let, nobody's had back-to-back sacks, double-digit sacks then, yes. other than him. that has played interior defense. So, line. therefore, are we going to set the bar at a new high and say that Leonard Williams will be that guy? Um, I'm thinking, I think we set this over-under at 7.5. Okay. Or 8.5. I think somewhere in that area is where I would be comfortable doing it. Okay. Where, where are you comfortable doing it? Um, well, let me give you the reasons first. Please, lay I it think, on me. Did I, and I like the number, just to give you an idea. Um, the reasons I think it's going to be lower um, is because I feel like that there's going to be attention paid pay, pay to some other players. Um, and I just feel like – well, let me back up. I, I feel like, you know, it's hard. You can, when you look at the statistics, they don't lie. Okay. Now they could be done. It can be done, but that's a, that's a tremendous feat to be able to do that. He does. He is not Aaron Donald. There's no way he's well. No one. No one's Aaron Donald. So to tell me that he's going to have double digits again, I don't believe he will. Um, and by I, the way, that isn't a knock on Leonard Williams. It it's is just not. really hard for defensive tackles to get double-digit sacks. It's like if you think about it, Geno Atkins and Fletcher Cox, right? You mm-hmm. would say in the last ten years, throw Cameron Hayward maybe in there from Pittsburgh. They're the best in Chris Jones from Kansas City. The, they're they're the best defensive tackles in the league, not named Aaron Donald. Those guys do not get more than 10 sacks regularly. I think they've only had once or twice in each one of their careers. So it just yeah. doesn't happen very often. Anyway, I interrupted you, Jeff. I apologize. That's okay. Go ahead. Here, here are the guys that if you're an offensive coordinator that you have to pay attention to other than Leonard Williams, Austin Johnson, Dexter Lawrence, Danny Shelton, and B.J. Hill. 
I'm not too worried about those guys. And if Dex- you want, and if you want to throw into the mix Lorenzo Carter, uh, Odenabo, Zimenez, you yeah. can. But yeah, fine. But those whatever. guys don't jump off the page for me because no. those guys are all single-digit sacks guys in their careers. And Aziz is a rookie. Yep. Um, Odenabo is a guy who doesn't traditionally get a bunch of sacks either. So my point was that they are going to have to. They're going to pay more attention to Leonard Williams because of the the cast around him is just not that good. Now, not to say that they're not like you know what I'm saying. The, the, Leonard Williams is going to have. They're going to pay attention to him, and therefore he's going to be a little bit lower. I will go over on this seven and a half. Okay, well maybe seven and a half is too low. Then do you want to make it eight flat or eight and a half? I think I, eight, I, I think like eight and a half is a little aggressive. I like. Well, see, I think I'm, the number for me is gonna, it would be nine. So why don't we make it at eight and a half? You want to put it at eight and a half, huh? Because he's going to be the highest guy on the roster. Okay. They look, no one, and no he, one's going to come close. And to he that. had 11. I would say either eight or eight and a half, and I don't like to have ties in this competition. So we could put it at eight and a half, and you're going to go over on that? Yeah, because I, I think it'll be just shy of a double digits. Okay. I'm going to go under. I think he's going to finish with seven or eight. Okay. That's where I think he's going to land. Okay. And if you look at last year, Jeff, just so people understand, he was actually fairly consistent. He converted sacks in one, two, three, four, five, six, in eight of the 16 games. So it's not like he went for long periods where he did nothing and then he had, you know, three monster games. He did have two big games. He had three sacks the last game of the year against Dallas, he had two and a half against Seattle, and then he had one in six other games. So. That's how he got to his 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. I think the quality of quarterbacks you're facing this year on the Giants schedule, we talked about this yesterday. I don't think the defensive schedule is nearly as tough this year for the Giants offense, but I think the offensive schedule is a lot tougher for the Giants defense this year, if you want to look at it that way. Good so, way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. to me, I think that's going to make it a little bit tougher on him too. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with under the eight and a half, and I think you'll if I had to guess if I had to put the number I think he's gonna finish with seven or seven and a half, okay. Which will be by the way the second most he's had in a season in Back his career, back, which is yeah. a really good year for him. Mm-hmm. So that's where I would put it. Uh, again, just because sacks are inconsistent and getting sacks depends on a lot more than just what you do. And I think last year, the stars aligned for whatever reason. Again, if you look at his underlying numbers, his hurries, his quarterback hits, you know, all, all that stuff. But they were very consistent with what he had earlier in his career. And I don't want to spend too much time on Leonard Williams here, but I do think he's the most important guy up front, Jeff. So I think it is important for us to spend a, a good amount of time on him. I'm going to bring up his uh, PFF profile just so Real we can quickly look at him. him. Yeah, too. Please, go ahead. Go ahead. He had 30 hits. QB hits last year. That's 20 yes. more than the next guy. Mm-hmm. And so if you can just convert maybe three or four of those 30s into sacks, he goes from the seven and a half to eight to to 11 again. So, you know, it's going to be close. And I think that sacks are one of those things where uh, they're just, they're inconsistent. They're, they're, you know, it just happens sometimes. And you look at a guy like BJ Hill when he had those four and a half sacks that one year. Right. I mean, he had three in one game. Yep. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes freak things happen like that. So maybe there's a game where Leonard Williams gets three sacks somehow and that number just jives up to the to the double digits, I hope. But I think it's too high of a number to go in at the double digits. So I, I like your let's do, I, I like eight and a half. All right, so here we go. This is what we have here. So um in terms of his stats throughout his career, Leonard Williams, all right. His numbers took a bit of an uptake last year. He had sixty this is according to Pro Football Focus. He had sixty five total pressures. The year before he had fifty seven the year before, he had 59. 
51, 56, and 54. Okay, All right. So he's consistently so in the 50s. That's all in the same neighborhood, but his pressures did, did bump up it a little bit. Okay. Win rate. So this is your win percentage of the times you rush the passer and, and you win. Last year was his career best at 14.3%. The two years before that, 13.5%, 13.5%, then 12.3% the year before that. Pass um, pressure percentage, the percentage of the time you put pressure on the quarterback, a career high 12.9%. The year before, it was 12.2%. And by the way, this shows you how inconsistent sacks are, right? So he goes from 57 pressures to 65 he goes from a 12.2% pressure rate to 12.9% pressure rate, a win percentage from 13.5 to 14.3. <laughs> and that is going from 0.5 sacks to mm-hmm. 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. It just shows you how sacks can sometimes be outliers and not necessarily be, you know, part of that general equation. So last year he did get a little bit better, but it's not better to the point that it would explain such a large jump in sacks. I so that's believe- why I think he's going to be good. He's going to be better than he was earlier in his career, but he's not going to quite let, get to the point where he's at 11. So I'm going to put him at seven or eight. Okay. And I think that I think that scheme, coaching, yes, I think all that has to to do with uh, some of the improvements that he made. Agree, 100. percent And I think that because of those um, intangibles, they're they're back again this year, and and maybe that they can design. And remember. We're talking about Leonard Williams here, who's who's really is a defensive tackle, but you know he's he's a rusher. But I mean the guy, he's not a you know he's not a Michael Strahan, you know. So I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's and listen, I I I am going to be pretty happy if if Leonard if Leonard Williams comes in with nine sacks on the season, you know. I mean, I think collectively this year, and we'll get to this later, but I think that collectively this defense will have more sacks this year because they have more depth and they have more they have more playmakers. So just bottom line. Yep, I agree. We have an open line, 973-667-1960. All right, let's go to Dexter Lawrence here, Jeff. Yep. Dexter, in his career so far, he has not been a super consistent pass rusher. Two and a half sacks as a rookie in 2019. Four sacks last year. Quarterback hits about equal. Again, this is according to you know um, official NFL statistics. Had nine as a rookie, 10 last year. If you look at his pro football focus metrics... He actually had 60 fewer pass rushing snaps last year as opposed to his rookie season, which I was surprised by. And he had two fewer total pressures. But it was about the same. He had 33 pressures as a rookie, 31 pressures as a sophomore. His pressure rate and his win percentage ticked up a little bit, up to 12.4% win percentage. Pressure rate went from 8 to 8.9%. So we've seen some improvement from year one to year two. The question is, are we going to see a bigger jump here in year three. I'm thinking we go three and a half or four and a half for him, given that Dalvin Tomlinson's not there anymore. What are your thoughts for where we set the over on there for sacks for big decks? Well, my number is four. And so three and a half to me would be the the line. Or do you want to put it exactly at four and then well, ma- and, like and then the make tough. it really tough on you? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that, I mean, <laughs> I like three and a half. I think three and a half would be would be the good number. Or do we want to put, or do we want to put pressure on Dexter to, 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 to step it up a notch in his third year and maybe try to improve from his four sacks last year? I think he's going to have a big year. Um, okay, because... so I think we should make it hard on you and put it at four and a half then. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'll take the under, but I think, I think I mean, well, a big year to me doesn't mean that he has to have seven sacks. A big year, 
big year to me for Dexter is that he plays all 16 games, which he does, and that uh, he improves on his 53 tackles. Remember, you were losing a guy, Dalvin Thompson, who had you know 50, 50 tackles or so um, last year, along with, by the way, Leonard Williams had 57. Yeah, Dexter... last year Tomlinson had 49, and Lawrence had 53 last year. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I think that, you know, uh, to me, um, yes, I would like some more pressure from Dexter, but to me, he plays that position where I need him to be a run stopper because that's what Dalvin was. And uh, whether Danny Shelton is probably going to fill that role because he's a round mound big boy, <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's let's do it at four. Let's do it at four, John. No, I'm putting it at four and a half, so you're going okay. under. Four and a half. Okay. I'm yep, gonna go going to go over. Look, I think okay. I think Dexter Lawrence is not is more than a plugger. You know, he's I think he's a better athlete than Dalvin Tomlinson was. That doesn't mean he's a better player. It means he's a better athlete, which means I think he has more pass rush potential than Dalvin does with his yeah. combination of size, strength, and athleticism. I just think he has more in him. And he's a guy that works hard. He's a guy that weighs 340 pounds, and it's not a sloppy 340 pounds. No, not at all. He's just a huge guy. And I think his second year with this coaching staff heading into his third year, this is when we kind of see pass rushers in their second or third years take that big jump. And I think second year in this system with Sean Spencer and all that, I think it pays dividends for him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go over four and a half. I think he's going to finish with five or five and a half this year. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a breakout year for Dexter. Okay. I like it. I'm gonna go under still. Stay at the four. Do we do we care about tackles for loss? Do we want to do tackles for loss? Or do you just want to worry about like sacks and interceptions, things like that? I think sacks are good. I mean, I, I think that tackles for loss are they're an important statistic. And I mean, if you wanted to do, if you wanted to throw it on there real quickly, we could attack it. Um, do we, do we need to do any more of? I think Leonard Williams and Dexter are the two sack guys on the defensive yeah, line. Yeah, I don't guys think are, we need rotational. We don't guys. need to wait waste time on like Austin yeah. Johnson and yeah. I don't think and uh, Danny Shelton, right? Right. Do you want to do B.J. Hill? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I think these are the two big guys here, you know. Okay. So how about we do sacks first, and then we'll tackle tackles for loss, no pun intended, uh, okay. after after <laughs> after we finish uh, the pass rushing category here. Okay. All right. Let, let, let's go to Lorenzo Carter. Okay. You know, he's interesting. He had four sacks as a rookie, four and a half sacks in the second year, and then in four and a half games last year. He had one sack, so he was on pace once again to finish with about four. I think we put his over-under right where it was as a second-year player. I think we put it at four and a half. I think that's where we set it. Jumped off the page. I agree, and to me, if he wasn't coming off an injury, Jeff, I would go over on that, and I'd feel really good about it. The problem is I, I do think that a year off an Achilles, even if he's out there, I do think it takes some time for a player to get his explosion back coming off of that leg. And I think for that reason, it might be a little bit of a slow start to the season for him. So I am going to go under four and a half because maybe they have to manage his snaps a little bit too because of the Achilles. And you have all these guys that maybe could be situational pass rushers with so many people in that room. So... I want to go over. I hope he goes over. I love Zoe. He's a good dude. He's a really good player. I'm really rooting for him to go over. But since he's coming off the injury, I'm 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 going to go under here. And that's more of a gut feeling than anything else. Yeah, the only thing that makes me want to say over, um, and remember Tom Coughlin always used to say everybody can make the Pro Bowl in shorts. 
you know, and he always comes in looking like Superman. Yep. Um, in all the mini camps and everything like that, OTAs, um, even this year, even coming off the Achilles, he really surprised a lot of people for what I've read and talked to people. They were like, wow, he's moving around quickly. So, But he does have an injury. He is coming off of an injury. And mentally, a lot of times when you get in games, it can affect you. So I feel like he will have a progression. He'll get better as the season goes on. Um, and But I don't, I don't see him being – you know, this guy that's going to come out and all of a sudden go from four, four and a half to all of a sudden 10, 10 and a half, 11. I mean, it is his contract year, which will put a little motivation in him. But um, and I do believe that now with the depth at this position, that creates competition, which creates a little bit better of a player. So I have I have Carter at six sacks. Oh, I, I like it. And it's kind of high, but I'm betting on the come here. I, I think I, I want to say that. Because I played in the league as long as I have, and coming up on contracts, it does something to you, John. It makes you play a lot better. <laughs> so, Do you think we should be a more aggressive here and put him at five and a half? I don't. Okay. I don't. I, I think the four and a half is perfect. I really do. It makes somebody think if they want to take that jump, you know. Um, unless you want to leave it right, you want to bump it to five and a half, that would probably maybe be... Then five and a half really might be a think. little strong. Yeah. I, we, we could put it at five flat. Do you want to put it at five flat here? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. That I way agree. somebody's going to have to take a leap of faith because six is, would be really good. You know, you get nine yep. and you get six from him. From Leonard Williams, you get nine or ten. Well, that's yeah, see, production. my goal here is always to put it high enough so Detino has to think about it. <laughs> well, because, because yeah. you know, he always is going to try to, you know, be on the optimistic side of things. So I like to make it high enough where I make Detino pause. Okay. So let's make it at five. Okay. Or no, we'll see let's, if he no. pauses at five. Okay. That's what we'll do. Yeah, and you know, I think if healthy, and there's no look, and like you said, he looked great in the spring. There's no reason to think he's not going to be healthy. I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be the only full time edge rusher, as much as any edge rusher is a full time player in this league. I think he's going to be on the field the most, and the other spot is going to be kind of a rotational spot where a bunch of the other guys are filtering in and out, whether it's X-Men and things of that nature, which tells me, yeah, maybe he will manage to get over five here. I think it's possible. That's a good point because you're going to have to get that number. He's going to have to be on the field a little bit, you know? And last year before he got hurt, he was playing almost 85, 90% of the snaps. Mm -hmm. He never left the field. The coaching staff loved him. Yeah, absolutely. I like the number. All right, what? Who's the? This is interesting. Who's the next edge rusher you want to do here? Do you want to do X Man? Do you want to do Odenabo? Who do you want to do next? Um, let's let's do it in in order of um, baby who was on the team last okay, year. Okay, so so, let, so let's X-Man. do X Man. Yeah. Now I'll tell you what I have him at. I have a four and a half over under on him. Um, his, you know, if you look at the stats the last few years, of course not last year, but the years. I mean, he's that's a that's a number that. You know, he could make. Um, where is he going to be in that rotation? Again, he's coming off of an injury. So everything that we talked about, Lorenzo Carter, we got to talk about X-Man. And shoulders are no joke either. Shoulders are no joke. And I wish no shoulder on anyone. I've got a little shoulder problem kind of hindering me, nothing like his, but it's just, it's it's not good. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just, it's, it's nagging. And one thing about shoulders, by the way. You play with your shoulders when you're a defensive guy. That's oh, how yeah. you make tackles. That's how you raise your arms to swat people away. That's and how you move offensive linemen. Yes. yes. And so, you know, any any type of residual of that injury kind of, you know, 
kind of comes into effect and rears its ugly head and starts to get a little bit of scar tissue, whatever you want to call it, that could affect his his year, but hopefully not. So am I too high at four and a half, you think? He had four and a half as a rookie. He only started two games that year. Two of those sacks came in one game in that year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rookie, though. The question is, how much is he going to play? That, to me, is the ultimate question here. If he plays, Jeff, 60% of the snaps, I think four and a half is a good number. But what if he only plays 40% of the snaps? Because well, he o- might with Because Ojolari is really good, or Ellerson yeah. Smith is good, or Odenabo is really good. Mm-hmm. How about we put it at four flat? Okay. All right. And you're going to go over on that, I'm assuming? I'm actually not because I, I'm I, I like the number four, so I'm going to say that because of Aziz and Odenabo, Odenabo, excuse me, uh, because of those guys, I, I I like your point, John. I I think it all depends, and I don't have playing time statistics for you know anybody, but well, it's I, hard to know for him. He barely played last that's year. That's what he's I'm saying. Like if I go back games. to 19, I don't know what his you know and. and well, and, and frankly, staff. Exactly. It's irrelevant because it was different coaches. Yeah. So um, I, I, I will go under, and it's going to be close on that. It's going to be three and a half for me for him. Okay. I'm going to go under on that, too. I think he's going to be three or three and a half. How about Odenabo? I think we could be a little bit more aggressive with him because I think he's going to get some inside pass rush snaps, too, 100%. as well as outside pass rush snaps. So I think we can maybe put him. Do you want to put him even with Carter at five? Or four and a half, maybe for Odenabo. Well, I'm gonna go. I don't think it's. I don't think he's that high. Um, but I, I'll go with the number. I, I will go under it. Well, what's what's your number that you have in your head? Four. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. So he had three and a half sacks last year for Minnesota. He had seven sacks the year before. So I think minimum four. Now, yes, you say, I agree. I think we can go either a four or four and a half. I think we can go four and a half for him. Here's the kicker, and you kind of hinted on it. Where is Patrick Graham going to play him a majority of the time? Okay, because if I look behind Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence, I don't see a lot there. Odenabo could move a lot more inside than we think. And will he, you know, if most, if a lot of his snaps are co- coming from the inside, as you know, it's harder to get those sacks, then the number's going to be less. And I could also see him being, you know, when the Giants go to an even man front, right, a four man front on like second and seven, I think he's the perfect guy to have in there as a hand in the dirt defensive end that can defend run and pass, right? Because he's a bigger guy. He's yeah, he can play that three technique. He's 260 pounds. Well, I think he could even play DN in those spots. Oh, you're thinking on the outside. Yeah. I, I think, oh. well, I think on like second and seven, yes. You get the third and eight. Then okay, I so, think yeah, you can, he can slide him the run inside. As a D- I got you. I see you what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? I think as a second and seven player, second and six player, where you have to defend run and pass evenly, mm-hmm. I think he's a good guy to put in there at end because he can do a little bit of both there. So I think that's a good spot for him. But I think the question you asked is a good one, Jeff. Not only where does he play him, but when do they see him as a rundown player more than a pass down player? So are we going to see him on first and 10 as a stand up three, four outside backer a lot because he's bigger and they think he's really good at setting the edge. And that maybe would take him off the field in pass rushing situations, which could limit his sack production. 
That's where I think the trick's going to be here. The same with Zimenez. We're trying to figure out what percentage of the snaps he plays. Mm -hmm. Well, not only what percentage of the snaps will Denable play, but which snaps right. are he, you know, is he going to play, which I think is tricky. Yep. I, 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 um, this is just a pure guess. I, I, I think that he's going to have a good season. I just, I just think that, I don't know. I just feel like he's a guy that's, you know, wanted to get out of, out of Minnesota, come here. He's going to, you know, change the scenery. And I think that he's going to flourish in this system with coach chaos and um, the way that Graham puts him in positions to succeed, I think he's going to have a good year. I agree, I, but will that will will a good year mean a lot of sacks? That's um, the question. I'm changing my mind after talking this over. Yeah, it I'm going like... to go. I'm going to go over on my number. I think he will. I All think right. he will. So we'll set I, it. I kind of think about this. Perfect. Yeah. We'll set it at four and a half. You're going over. I'm going to go just under because mm -hmm. I think I think he's going to be more of a rundown player. Than okay. a pass down play. I think I'm going to go five as my number, so that will be over. Okay, we're well, going to do two more guys for sacks here, Jeff, just because unless there's somebody else you want to bring up when we're done, you can. Okay. Maybe you're sleeping. I'm sleeping on somebody. Let's go the rookie next. Aziz Ojalari. He's a guy that has good pass rush moves, but rookie pass rushers generally are not the most productive guys in the world. So where do you want to place him in terms of sacks? I mean, can we go higher than four and a half? Is oh, yeah. that can we go five and a half for him, or is that too high for a rookie? I don't think it's too high at all because I, I feel like this is a guy. Now remember, he's coming off of a knee injury. He's told us that everything is fine. Well, okay, remember, remember, he didn't have that. He wasn't hurt at Georgia. That knee injury that got flagged goes all the way back to high senior year in high school. So he hasn't missed any games. Okay, let's just his talk. last two years. I, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to talk about the knee injury ever again unless he gets a new one. Yes, no, because, no, no, honestly, you shouldn't. Yeah, you should exactly. Okay, so I'm going to nip the nip it in the bud. I'm not going to save knee injury ever again for this young man. And but I am high on him. I am bullish, and I feel like the scheme that, that Patrick Graham is going to put in for this young man, I think, is going to work, um, because. I just I just like his athleticism. I like his arm length. I like the way that he can get around people. Um, now you're gonna you're gonna be like whoa, but I see him at eight sacks. Whoa! I'm going high. All right, so I'm gonna put the over under then if <laughs> at five and a half. Five and a half is a good number. Which I mean I that might that might be a little bit high for the number, but you know I'm gonna go over, but I'm gonna go way over. So. This is my guy. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go under the five and a half. I know Giant fans are probably getting annoyed. Schmoke's going under on all these guys. Well, <laughs> guys, I really think this is going to be a pass rush by committee type of team here. I do. I think they're going to rotate a lot of guys in and out. I think the secondary is going to have sacks. Like, I think Jabril Peppers is going to have sacks. I think Xavier McKinney is going to have sacks. I think the slot corners, Darnay Holmes and Robinson, are going to have sacks. So I think you're going to have a bunch of guys between three and five honestly, and that will get the sack number back to where it was around last year. Now, can I make one more comment now that we're talking a little bit about this defensive backfield? Of course. And the depth, and by the way, this team is going to be able to play a little bit more man coverage this year, which will be able to, it will benefit the, the rushers. And that um, means you can blitz more if you play more men. So there's mm -hmm. going to, there's got to be some sacks coming from somewhere if they're getting some good coverage. Um, so that's another reason why I'm kind of bullish on some of these numbers. I think that these guys will go over. So, anyways, no, um, I agree. So Aziz is one. So who is the who is the next one? I'm curious. Can I give you who I think it might be? 
yeah, we can go one more guy. I was going to go Ellerson Smith. That's who I have. And okay. I, was, I was curious if that's who the yep, guy. Because that's who I had to. Let me give you my take on Ellerson Smith real quickly. And um, this was uh, – I had a discussion with uh, Jeremy Pruitt this summer. Um, and he loves this kid. I mean, absolutely loves this guy and told me that he is probably one of the biggest – he sees one of the biggest upsides to all these guys at Ellerson Smith. Fourth rounder now. So um, – but – Likes him a lot. Now, I'm not telling you he's going to have eight sacks, but I'm going to say at the end of the season, I will say to you, I told you so, and this guy's going to have an impact on this defense in in a small, in a, not a huge way, but you're going to be like, wow, we got a little diamond in the rough with this guy. That's just my take on him. Um, I don't have a number for him. I, I think you got to set something pretty low because he's a he's a rookie. He's going to be he's not going to be in there a lot. Three. I think it's high. <laughs> How about two and a half then? Two and a half, a uh, two and a half. Yeah, I'll go that. Um, and I and I actually will. I'm that was my number. I'll go was, over I, on that. I'll go over on two okay. and a half. And just because I just talked him up, I have to go over. And right? I agree. <laughs> and then I get it. probably I I do mailbags every couple days here on the website where I mm-hmm. get I get the questions in. The three guys that I get the most questions about: Evan Ingram, either people wanting to get rid of him or moving the wide receiver. And I just refuse to answer those questions anymore because I've expressed my opinion on that a million times. And people are just not reasonable about it. Mm -hmm. And they're they're silly. Um, Two, Daniel Jones, obviously. Not Mm -hmm. a surprise. The third guy I get the most questions about is Ellerson Smith. Interesting. Interesting. Fans are super excited Mm -hmm. for Ellerson Smith. And it's probably my fault because I talked up a lot of his his RAS score or his numbers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But, folks, here's the thing. If you want to ask me what Ellison Smith's going to do in 2022 or 2023, I'm bullish. Me too. If you're asking me what he's going to do in 2021, don't know. This guy's coming out of an FCS program. Right. That's the thing. He has not played a competitive game of football since 2019. He has an NFL body, he has NFL athleticism. But in terms of technique and going up against the type of athlete, Good and athlete. player at the skill level that he's going to see in the NFL at offensive tackle, it is something he can't even fathom. That <laughs> <It's> first, <nightmarish. laughs> that first preseason game for him, Jeff, is oh. going to be a holy bleep moment for him. Like, well, wow! I, I'll tell you what. I'll even something. take it further. The the holy bleep moment will be the, the first day there in pads doing one on ones with NFL yes. tackles, or even better. How about that first scrimmage against? Jedrick mm-hmm. Wills when they when they go face Cleveland. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. So he'll he'll get indoctrinated to the National Football League and he'll figure it out. But I think if you make a good point, I think that looking forward, he's going to figure it out. He's a great athlete. He does it in an NFL body. But the problem is, and this is not a knock on him, you know, everybody has to play football somewhere. Um, not everybody, but anybody that's in the NFL has. And by the way, and Jeff is I two people. We cover FCS college football. Yeah, and and been, and by the way, the the guy that the one person that if they ever stand out, okay, they stand out in this league. Okay, there's a guy that's going to make the NFL roster. He stands out like you cannot believe, right? He's way above everyone. He's but dominating the fact is, every play. Right. Most of them, you don't hear about them after a few years after they come in because it's such a huge transition for them. So uh, we'll see. But I like I like the upside, and that's the compare the thing that, that Jeremy Pruitt was telling me is that he has so much upside. Now, what does he do with it? That's up to him. Um, but you know the way that this defensive staff thinks and works, 
They put people in positions to succeed. Let's just see how they put him and use him. But you will see this guy on special teams on every play. And that kind of excites me because I feel like, you know, anytime you're a linebacker, edge rusher kind of guy, you know, tall, skinny, if you will, these guys make plays. And I think this is Ellerson Smith is going to be one of those guys that's going to be a really good special teams guy this year. Okay. So before we get to, I have a call on the line, then we'll do secondary, but I want to get to the caller first. Mm -hmm. So let's just do total sacks for the team, Jeff. Okay, so total sacks for the team. And, I, and by the way, I have not done this. I saw last year, and this was just going off of the pro football reference I was adding, and it may not be correct. Is it 38 and a half last year? 40. Okay, so it was 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can set it straight at 40 again, to be honest okay, with you. Okay, well, I'm going over on that. Okay. I will go over on that. to make. And by the way, that number needs to be over for a couple reasons. Number by the way, two, just for the record, yep. Jeff, 40 last year ranked the Giants tied for 12th. In the NFL, which was pretty good. Which is perfect because that's a segue into what I was about to say. This number at 40 has got to be higher to be able to get this total defense and this number in the top 10. So that, to me, means that this number has got to be over. I think this defense is going to be good this year. I think the defense is going to be good as well, but I'm not sure they're going to be good because they get a lot of sacks. I think they're going to be good because they play really good coverage. So I am going to go slightly under that, mostly because Leonard Williams is going to take a dip. And I okay. don't think they're going to have enough from other people to make up from that that dip. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just I think throwing they, out 44. Okay. <laughs> that that if, if they had 44, Jeff, that would have ranked them ninth last year. Okay. There's my pot 10. That okay. would have ranked them ninth. Okay. Yeah, because last year two teams had 40, the Giants and the Colts. The Packers and the Dolphins both had 41. And who was number one? And the Broncos one? had 42. That would be the Steelers with 56. Okay, so they Rams, were 16 more, won a game. Rams wow. were second with 53. Then the Eagles were third with 49. Cardinals and Bucks were tied at 48. And then Washington at 47. See, this is why I think 44 is a little rich. To get yep. three within Washington with their front, I think that's probably maybe asking a little bit too much. It is. But I think putting them around 40 again, and I think they'll probably come in at 38 or 39, which will rank them right at like 14th or 15th. Like last year, Baltimore had 39 sacks. There's no shame to be tied for the Ravens with sacks for for the year. Ooh, but there's one more game. Mm. I didn't put that into consideration. Mm Mm-hmm. Neither did I. And by the way, I can't be a poser here. I'm going most of my guys. I'm going over on all the numbers. Yeah. So if I'm going to go over on all the numbers, nope. I got to go over on the on the year too. Should well, should I bump the year up to like 42 or 41 because you have an I extra would do game? one because and here's why. How about 41? The Giants and a half? were 40 last year. The Steelers were 56. That's one per game. So if, uh, to go from one to 10 or to 11, they were 11th, right? I'm going to put it at 41 and a half. Okay, I'll still go over. Okay. But but we're going to do 41.5 is the yes, line. Yes, we'll do 41.5. Okay. Because I think that accounts well for the extra game. And probably not enough, to be honest with you. I could probably be really aggressive and go to like... Because think about it. If you have 40 sacks over 16 games, that's two and a half sacks per game. That's pretty good. So should I put it at 42 and a half? Because that'll make it exactly what it was last put year. Put it at 42 plus. and a half. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yep, that'll make Tatino think. <laughs> yes, that is always the goal. Thank you. That that will make that will make Detino think. All right, forty two and a half. I'm gonna go Good under point, on though. that. Good point though. There's one extra game. We didn't, You're gonna we, go we Think about that. Yeah, yeah but I'm you going know, over. for for players, it's not that big of a deal because you know you have one more chance to have a big sack game. But to get shut out on one game would not necessarily be like a big deal. 
<laughs> his sacks come in bunches and things like that. So I don't think that really would have impacted um, my sack numbers throughout the season all that much. But for the team, absolutely. Okay, let's get to the phone call. 973-667-1960. And I know fans are probably mad. Schmoke went under on all of these. Guys, look. What have the Giants focused on the last few years, right? With free agency and the draft. Secondary and then interior defensive linemen and offensive players. They right. have not heavily invested in pass rushers. They did in the draft this year with Ojolari and Ellison Smith. But... Pass rushers generally, when they're rookies, do not play really well. Receivers as rookies, yeah, you can count on them. Corners as rookies, you can't. Pass rushers as rookies, you can't. Even rookie offensive linemen have you can trouble trusting those types of guys. Some positions, running backs, oh, put them right in there, fine. So, and linebackers, another position, it's really tough to go in right away and be a good rookie linebacker because of the way the league works. You know, run stuffing defensive linemen as a rookie, sure, I think you'll do okay. But there's just a big jump in what you're dealing with in the trenches at the NFL level compared to what you see in college? Because you're dealing with grown men here. It's just a difference. So I don't think you're going to see that impact yet. And again, if Leonard, if Carter wasn't coming off that Achilles, I think I'd be having a different conversation with him and maybe even the over-under number. Mm-hmm. If he was healthy coming off last year, I think you'd be looking at maybe an eight-sack season for him or a seven-sack season for him. I just Achilles injuries scare me. And I was saying the same thing with basketball with Durant off his Achilles. So I'm being very consistent with this. And Durant basically just shoved it right on my rear end and said, no, I'm, I'm just going to be the best player in the, in, in the league again. So take that, Schmelk. So <laughs> maybe I'm going to be wrong again. Who knows? But that's just the way my mind kind of works. Yeah. All right. 973-667-1960. Let's go to the phones. Call. You're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Hey, it's Charlie Portland, Maine. Charlie, hey, what's Charlie? up? Hey, John. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, um. I thought Williams was a defensive end, not a tackle. Well, he plays defensive end. He plays yeah, but in the three four, which is still an interior defensive lineman because the outside linebackers outside of him on the edge. So the outside linebacker is the edge player in your three four front. But when the Giants go to the four man front, Leonard Williams plays defensive tackle, the three technique. So Leonard Williams mostly will line up. Outside of the guard, but inside of the offensive tackle. That's the gap he generally plays in that, you know, either the four-eye or three technique, which is not a defensive end traditionally, which is lined up, as Jeff knows, a defensive end trolley is lined up outside the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. Generally, Leonard Williams does not line up on the outside sh- shoulder of the offensive tackle. Right, Jeff? Even, is that fair? Even, well, even though he's an outside rusher in a 3-4, he's still a defensive tackle in the scheme, it's called. Correct. So. Yeah, he, he, will, he, he plays interior defensive on. Like, for example, Cameron Hayward, Charlie. He's technically yep. a defensive end for the Steelers, but he's a 3-4 defensive end in their base, and then when they go to a four-man front— He's playing that three-technique spot. So I qualify all those guys as interior defensive linemen. Okay, well, what? What? maybe they'll utilize him more as a true defensive end, which might get his sack numbers up. Possible. You know what I'm saying? It's possible. Uh, since he, you know, he is the guy, I would move him around, and I would use, try to utilize him. And, and I got one thing, and I know you guys probably don't agree, won't agree with this, but I look at things totally opposite. To me, is like if this versatility stuff drives me crazy because, you know, oh, you know, this guy can play this position and he can play this position and he can play that position. But if he really played 
really well in one position, like at the all-pro level or pro bowl level, they would not move him. They don't move Martinez. Why don't they move him around? Because he is really good at his position. No, because he's, no, because you he's have a, to middle have a middle linebacker, linebacker. right? Yeah. You can't leave no. the middle of the field open because you're going to move your middle linebacker to defensive end sometimes, no. or you know. So no, no, but they could move him. They could move him blitz a lot, he, but they don't. They leave him where he is because he does it very well. Same with Bradbury. Do they move Bradbury to a safety position? Occasionally, versatile. Occasionally. Not, not really, because he is really good at his position. Charlie, I, I so get your I, point. I really, I do. I get your point, and it has some relevance. But the fact is, is that you know the game has changed so much that the schemes are every week is so different, and it's all about matchups. You know, so yes, Leonard Williams may be a really good edge rusher if in a you know if they're playing the first game of the season, they're playing somebody that they think that can match up well. Well, the second game you may not see him there because he's going to match up good in the three technique against the guard for this this team. So I think that collectively. Those those interior positions change quite a bit. And by okay? the way, actually, I should say this too: either at right end, the right outside linebacker, um, pass rushing spot, or left end and left outside linebacker. Last year, Leonard Williams actually had almost had over, got almost three hundred snaps at that spot last year. So he was actually out there more than I thought he was. So, just, so he just pretty FYI. much is, could could be. He's in your mind, he is an edge rusher. No, he's uh, not. No, but he played. He still played sixty percent. No, of his no, snaps. Charlie's mind. That's what I'm he saying. Played, Charlie's yeah. mind. He's an edge rusher. Williams played around sixty percent of his snaps as an interior lineman, forty percent as what I would consider on the tackle or outside the tackle. Okay. Oh, I thought it was reversed. Then no, it, it was sense. still still sixty forty more inside than out. Okay. All right. Hope that answers your question, Charlie. Well, well, the thing is, is if you have really good players at positions, you don't move them around. You leave them there. Now, like Galladay, you know, he's an outside guy. Maybe once in a great while you put him in the slot, but you're not going to move him around, put him sure. in the slot, put him outside. Well, Charlie, no, be, well, Charlie because that's his, they, they, yeah, they, they moved Aldell Beckham inside all the time. Well, Aldell Beckham is a different type of player. I wish we still had him. No, but, but your don't. point is that if a player's really good, you don't move him around. He was their best playmaker, and they moved him all over the place, is my point. Why? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because he was in a special – he's just a special player. And he can play anywhere. Well, Sterling Shepard moves inside and outside. He plays both spots. But he doesn't play – he isn't very good on the outside. We all know that. He's not. His best position is a slot. Because that's where he had most of his touchdowns. That's where he had most of his receptions. Logan Ryan's he moved was, all over the place. Jabril Peppers has moved all over the place. Xavier McKinney was moved all over the place. I mean, I can go down yeah, the list well, here. I know, but there's very few people can do that and do it really, really at a high level. Well, that, no, but that, that's what makes those players special, like a Teron Matthew, mm-hmm. right? You can move him all over the place, but he's good in all those different spots. That's what makes those right. guys so valuable. But that's a, they're rare. I mean, we try to do it with everybody, pretty much. That's you know? not true. It is true. You got Love going all over the place, and he isn't even good at any of the positions so far because he doesn't have a chance to hone in on. Well, one. no. Well, last year Love almost played exclusively deep safety until you had the injury the last two weeks, and they had to put him at corner. Before that, he was exclusively a deep safety last year. All right. Well, then they should. You know, that's where they should leave him. If that's his best position. Leave these people there because that's how you get better. 
sometimes we just overthink things. We're always trying to move everybody around. Play right guy, play left guy, play center, play this. Charlie, you, you realize, you, Charlie, you realize the whole reason yeah. the defense was good last year is because they had movable pieces in the secondary to confuse offenses, right? That's the whole reason yeah, the secondary think, worked. And that was because they didn't have any pass rush. That's why. And no, if you no, have no, a guy, no, no, time out. No, 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 no. What? It worked. Because these guys were able to move around and confuse the offense as to what scheme they were running in the secondary. That's why it worked. So don't tell me it hurts the scheme and hurts the team by moving these guys around when that was the whole damn reason it worked last year. Well, how many games did we win, John? The defense was ranked 10th when we were heading into the year. We thought they'd be in the bottom quarter of the league. I know, and, and that's good. But what I'm trying to say is if you look at other teams, and Garrett, and Cleveland, and Clowney. Do you think they move these guys all over the place? Those no. are edge Cleveland. rushers, Charlie. It's different positions. It's the same with Blake Martinez. I mean, if you have a shutdown corner, no, you're not putting him at safety. If you have a great edge rusher, no, you're not moving him around. If you have a great Mike linebacker, no, you're not moving him around. But if you don't think other teams move players from defensive tackle to defensive end or from deep safety to shallow safety, I hate to break the news to you. Every single <laughs> team in the league does it. We're out of time, Charlie. We got to go. Goodbye, Charlie. Thank you. Charlie, Jeff, am I right or wrong? No, I, you make a great point. And I, I think I understand what Charlie's trying to say, but you just can't do it. You can't do it on some of the positions. Some positions you can. Like you said, make a good point. Bradbury, you're not going to put him at slot if he's really good on outside, cover, you know, shutdown corner. Blake Martinez is the tackling machine. You're not going to put him in an outside linebacker. Okay, so, I mean, that's just, I know that it, I know what he's trying to say, but it, it doesn't, I, it makes sense to a point, but you can't do it. You can't, you, you got to move these guys around. You have to. It's just the way it is. Absolutely. And by the way, you know, the defensive scheme, if anything changes, it, it's the defensive front seven. They, those, they change all the time. And Every sometimes there's, it's a 2-5. Yep. <laughs> or 4-2 or 4-3 or 3-4. Or you know? so it's yeah. just like it's no more back in the old day where you lined up and those were your guys and that's the only position they played. And right. That's just the way it was. Exactly. It's not that way. 100%. Okay. Um, I got two more things or three more things I want to do here, Jeff. I want to do something with Blake Martinez just because he's awesome, and I he's feel like and I feel awesome. like we should, you know, <laughs> recognize his greatness in some way, shape, or form, which I think is important. Um, so I don't. Pardon me. Uh, sneeze. If you look at his tackle stats, and I'm the problem with these tackle stats, Jeff, is that depending on what source you use, they're all kind of different. Okay. So, which ones are you using in terms of? of how I you use want Pro to do Football these? Reference. That's and it's just it's and the only reason I did that, John, is very easy to navigate back and forth with trying to find information on players. You know, you type a name mm -hmm. in, boom, and there it is. Yep. Um, okay, so why don't we do that? Had then? 151 tackles last year, which, by the way, uh, Tay Crowder was the one on the roster. The closest had 57. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how many? How many did Pro Football Reference have? You 151. Okay, that's actually what what they have here too. Okay, that's perfect. Okay, so we can use that. That's fine. So let's okay. let, let me let me bring up Blake here. He had one fifty one last year, the year before. This is combined solo and assisted. By the way, that's how they get to yep. this number. Extremely consistent. One fifty one, one fifty five, one forty four, one forty four. The last four years. So remember, one extra game in the mix here, which you should take in consideration for this. Probably ten more. <sighs> Do you want to say see if you can get a new career high and put it at one fifty five and a half? Yep. And again, these are considering that he's playing all sixteen, seventeen games. Yes. Um, 
I like that because, you know, it, you you said 140 to 150 something is very consistent. He had right? 151 so, last year, 155 the year before that. Okay. So why don't we try to, yeah, I think that. we uh, Yeah, we're, we're going to go for a new career high for him. Let's see. I, if and can I think you'll get it. I think you'll get it. And so 155, is that the number? 155 and a half. Is what I'm okay, it's a good. Okay. I'm going to go over for that. I'm going to go over just because there's an extra game. I agree. Do you want to do right. tackles for loss for him just to give him one other category just for fun? Um, we could. Yeah. All right. This is his career nine, the year before that, five, 10, 10, and four. So I think, do you want to do the same thing? See if he can get a career high and then put it at 10? I think he'll be blitzing more this year. I think he will be too. I agree. So um, tackles for loss at 10, yes, I'll do that. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll go under, but I like the number. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I agree. I will go over on that, though. Okay. So 155 and 10 is the line, right? 155 and a half and 10. 0.5. Okay. All I'm right. going to go over, and I'm going to go under on those two. All right. So now what we're going to do here, instead of doing the – individual players for interceptions because these numbers are so low, right? Well, you know, they all roll. Bradbury only had three last year. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're going to put everyone at one and a half or two and a half. And then it's like, you know, what's the point? I don't think that's a lot of fun. How many did a Dory Jackson have last year? Was it four last year? No, he barely played last year. Jackson. I mean the year before then, uh, it's a good question. Let me check that um, real quick. I don't know why I have a four next to this. I don't know how I, I, I been four. Dory Jackson. Or maybe that's what I put it. Throw out the random number last year. He had. Da, 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 da. Um, Why would they put kick and punt returns first before defensive <laughs> stats? That's so silly. Uh, last year, uh, no, he he only has two career interceptions, and they okay. both came in 2018. Okay. So he's yeah. not a big interception. Yeah. Guy. So this is a really low number for this whole group. So here's what I want to do: instead of going player by player, Jeff, let's have each of us select. The first and second leading players with interceptions for the Giants. That's easy for me. Why don't we do that? Okay. All right. So I'm going to go my leader in interceptions is going to be Logan Ryan. Okay. My leader will be Xavier McKinney. Ooh, okay. He is a ball hawk. Showed it in that last game against Dallas last year, which, by the way, he had two, only one of them counted. Okay. So there's, Who, my, there's my guy. Who's going to be your second guy? Bradbury. Ooh, okay, corner. See, I'm going to go... That's interesting. Do I go McKinney here, or do I go... I think Peppers is going to be used more along the scrimmage camera. So I'm going to go McKinney for my okay. second guy here for interceptions. And I okay. here's my here's my reason so why. So they're coming. You're getting, how many are you getting that safety? Well, I am of the belief that they're going to play a lot more man-to-man -man this year. And, Jeff, okay. as you know, it's tough to get interceptions for cornerbacks mm -hmm. when you're playing man-to-man -man defense. That's right. So... For that reason, I am going to go with both safeties as my two leaders in interceptions. Okay. I like your theory, and let me add to it. I also think that with the addition of Adoree Jackson and team playing more man, that the middle of the field will be open a little bit more where the safeties will make more mm. interceptions. But I have like Xavier McKinney. I just still think that Bradbury is so freakish. That I, I just love the way the guy plays, his agility and his his elevation and skills like that. Um, he proved himself last year, and I still think that teams are going to throw away from him, but I still think he'll make his play. So those are why why I'm going to. I would not be surprised if Xavier McKinney and Logan Ryan were one and two, though. 
Okay. In fact, I have Logan Ryan and Bradbury about the same in getting interceptions at three. And in just get, and give and give me an idea. Give me what number will lead the team in interceptions. I'm going to say four. four. <laughs> I think four too. Okay, so we're both on that the same thing. Yep. And I think it'll be All right, McKinney. Perfect. All right, perfect. All right, now who will lead in? I'm just going to ask for one name here. Who will lead in pass passes defended? Last year, Bradbury was in the top of the league with 18. You go down 12 and 15 the years before that. Adoree Jackson with 6, 10, and 17 in his three years. I'm going to go with an upset here. I'm going to go with Adoree Jackson instead okay. of Bradbury. Okay. Good. Good. I'm not. <laughs> I'll stick with Bradbury. Okay. That's the safe bet. I'm being a little bit. I'm trying to be clever. I think teams will go away from Bradbury more and throw it at Jackson more. So I think it's going to be more of an opportunity deal. But we'll see. I could be wrong. And then finally. Can I throw Can I throw a flyer in here? Please fly Maybe away. Maybe a question. Who will be your surprise player in this group? Surprise player meaning just comes out and maybe leads the team in interceptions and deflections. You know, the whole thing like, wow, where did this? Wow. Darnay oh. Holmes. You, okay, I'm going to go with Aaron Robinson. The rookie. This is my surprise pick. Okay, so, so um, there you go. I don't know what that means. And how I don't either. I that, don't either. I guess I just wanted to talk anyway. more about Aaron Robinson. No, oh, that's <laughs> fine. That I, that I made a question that I would. That my answer would be him. Well, and, and by the way, here, here's. And by the way, I know there's a call on the line. We will get to at the end of the show. I only have one more category to do, and then we're gonna then we're gonna get to you. I know we started late, so we'll go a little late. It's fine, but. The reason I think I like Holmes over Robinson is that, like I said before, defensive backs generally struggle in the first year in the league. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't go with the I can see that with the rookie corner. But I think Holmes, he has all the physical abilities. He's a smart kid. He works hard. I think he'll come up with a couple of really big plays this year and kind of be the guy that establishes himself as that starting slot corner. And I think if they have to use him outside, I think he's capable of doing that too. All right, finally, who will lead the defensive backfield in sacks. Oh. I'm going Peppers. Yeah, I think they're going to use him a little bit more in the box as he is. And, we, you know, and I think he's a good blitzer, too. Yeah. Um, Very physical player. Julian Love is another guy that I like in that position, too. I could see Logan Ryan being a guy, too, that's in the mix here. Or McKinney. I think those guys yeah, are possibilities, too. all three of those guys. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to go with— And um, by the way, your man Robinson or Darnay Holmes, if they slot the blitz slot, a lot, boom. not not impossible. Yeah. Um, I guess I'll go with the—I think I'll go with Pepper just because of what we just said. And, you know, I don't know, maybe we're wrong. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like that— Coach Graham will probably use him a little bit more now that he has some depth in that secondary at the safety position with Ryan and McKinney and Love. Um, yeah, I'll go Peppers. I think this is going to be a very – well, I think the sack numbers will be down this year. I think you're going to get a lot of big plays out of the secondary. That's my gut. I would do the over-under collectively sacks out of this defensive backs, including safeties, um, at two and a half. All right, you know what we should do though? We should do team inter- higher than that. We we should do team interceptions. Okay, yeah, I have the team interceptions. Team interceptions last year they had eleven. Mm-hmm. They have one extra game. Do you want to put the over under at twelve? Eleven and a half. Let's put it at twelve. Okay. 
I will go. Um, I'm going to go under because I feel like there's going to be more sacks than there will be interceptions. I'm going to go over. Okay. I feel good about the interceptions this year. I think they're going to be opportunistic. I think I they're going to so. make some plays on the ball. Okay. Okay. Now let's get to our caller. 973-667-1960. Uh, caller, and by the way, we're going to do our like total team rankings and stuff like that in the mm-hmm. week leading up to the regular season. Okay. Because we'll have a better feel for the team then by the time camp goes through, right? So we'll probably have a better idea for where the team might end up ranking okay, in some fine. of these statistical categories. Yeah, and good. I think that's good. a good way to do that. All right. That. Well, we tackled most... You know, 90% of it. So, Yep. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, guys. Len from Columbia, Maryland. Hi, Hello, Len. I don't How want, you doing? Well, you don't got much time, so if you want yeah, to make yeah, one okay, quick yeah, point gonna, now. Okay, and, and, I'll make it real quick. Yeah, yeah. I'll make it, yeah but um, but it, I'm just saying, but then you can call back later in the week. If yeah, you yeah, 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 absolutely. Yep. Uh, if, if we're not raving about Xavier McKinney at the end of the next season, I'll be very disappointed. Yeah, we all I will. Think he's, yeah. I think he's a big cog in this whole thing. And uh, let me go out on a limb. He's a pro bowler. He's okay. A pro, he's a pro bowler. That's right, a second, um, Len, just remember, the Pro Bowl is a big-time popularity uh, contest. So, he, one so he could Didn't play he? at a Pro Bowl level, but because yeah. he hasn't done it for long enough yet, yeah. he mm-hmm. might not get the yeah. votes to make the not game. Not to say you know that he I mean? doesn't deserve it. Right. But it, Correct. Exactly. Because of the popularity, it's a tough position as one of them. You know? Yeah. So. Let, you know, someday, the next time I call up, we'll talk about that Pro Bowl thing, Sean. I, I really disagree with that. I know you guys downplay downplay that, but, you know, it's it's not like they're picking, uh, you know. Fans vote. Huh? Fans vote. Yeah, yeah, I know they do. Fans I know, but I mean, they get overwhelmed. They, it gets overwhelmed by the players and coaches, John. Well, and, and it's, it's not like we're picking. It's not like we're picking somebody who's on a practice squad. I mean, it's the second best player at that position, perhaps. It's Can I tell you a story? It's not a scrub. Can I, I, I want to tell you a story. I, yeah. I, I won't tell you what year it is. Okay. The players. This is the story. The, the players <laughs> get brought into a room sometime, and Jeff knows this. You all got brought into an auditorium or a meeting room in December, and you guys are given sheets of paper. And the guys are told, make your Pro Bowl selections. Right, Jeff? And you're handed a stats sheet. Yep. And you look at it. Len, if you watched how these guys decided who to vote for for the Pro Bowl, you would want to slam a hammer into your face. Len, it's it's absurd. It's, oh, I played with this guy in college. I want to vote for him. Oh, what team does he play for again? Well, he was good three years ago, so let's vote for him. Or how about this one? I'm going to vote for this guy. Wait a sec. He was on IR this year. Oh, he was? Len, I'm telling you, it's all, and, and it's depressing. It shouldn't be this way. It's all name recognition, especially for like, just trust me, it's not as scientific as you want it to be. I'll leave it at that. Jeff, do you agree with me on 100%. that? 100%. It's, it's a joke. Oh, man, you're, you're blowing up my face. I know. I'm, I'm sorry, Len. That's just the way it is, man. I'm a, I'm a big Pro Bowl. I, I got to tell you, I'm a big, I, I pay attention to it. I'm a big Pro Bowl now, guy. I, now, my... I don't care about Pro Bowl, Len. All Pro does matter to me. All okay. Pro matters. All pro right. Bowl, not as much. Go ahead. I'm all sorry. Right. Here's a couple of things. To get to 10 wins, I think we all agree we've got to get at least four in the division. Got to go four and two. Yep. I want, in division games, I want 20 sacks. And in division games, I want less than 600 yards, giving up less than 600 yards on the ground. Well, if you look at in division, that's eight games, that's two and a half sacks a game. I think 20 is a very realistic goal. Okay. No, we're talking about six games, right? You're right. Oh, you're right. Oh. It is six. No, you're right. It is yeah. six games. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay. 20 is right. a little bit more I'm aggressive, 20, but I'm I think going, it's realistic. I'm going 
20 and uh, less than 600 yards a game. We get four. Maybe we steal another one and get five, and we're on our way to 10 wins. What do you mean less than 600 yards a game? Well, to, a total, a, a total, um, total on on the ground. I'm sorry. Thank you for asking okay. that question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> total yardage on the ground. Allowed we, or uh, allowed? Okay, allowed. I got you. 600 okay. yards. 600 yards rushing, rushing in six games. So we're, we're, we're holding the other team to 100 yards or less per game on okay, average. We could do that on, could on do average. That. Yeah. Okay. I think we win four for sure and maybe steal a fifth. Hey, you guys have a good day. I'll call you back next week. Nice call. Thank man. you, Lenny. Thank you. And if you want to give us a call later in the week, you can too. That's fine. We don't get really busy phones this type of year. So if you guys want to call in for a second time, you can. Except for you, Charlie. I think we've heard enough from you this week. <laughs> Sorry, we have. Oh, I didn't do any of the reads to in the show. Well, I guess I'll do them right now. Hey, Giant fans, limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant Games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. And Jeff, for very quick, I want to build on what Len asked about the Pro Bowl. Mm -hmm. Because I know from my perspective, I was you know all excited. And I don't remember. I probably I was allowed in that room for some reason. Maybe I was helping PR. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh, I want to see how these guys decide who makes the Pro Bowl. And I watched it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is like – I had some guys trying to vote for guys that were retired. It it yeah. was an absolute debacle. Well, when you think <laughs> about the fan voting, the guy they, – they've stuffed the ballot box. Oh, yeah. Um, the fan voting get, is a joke. Then, then we talk about – we just talked about how the players do it. So there's two-thirds <laughs> – you know, of the whole thing. And by the way, it's not the player's fault either. Like, you have a cornerback who's trying to pick a Pro Bowl, you know, offensive guard. What the hell does the cornerback know about what an offensive guard is doing? Well, I, I do remember I do remember the way they – and by the way, when I it's different each team. Like, I remember with the Seahawks, everybody voted for every position. But then with the Giants when we were there, they broke us up. The offensive linemen voted for the defensive tackles. Oh, is that tackles. true? Yeah, so they okay. – you know, that way – so you don't get a cornerback voting for, you know, a wide receiver. I mean, excuse me, a, a you know, an offensive tackle or whatever. So I think that they, they did it that way for a little – that's the way you should do it. That's the way like, you should do it is right. You know, that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? I mean, why would a wide receiver be voting for a defensive tackle? You know, it just doesn't make sense. So, but it is a joke. Um, and I think the whole Pro Bowl is a joke nowadays. So I just, you know, <laughs> I mean, look at the way they do it. It's like, did you see now what they're going to do? They're going to have the, uh, what was it? They were going to have, oh, did you read about this yesterday? I did were not, they, no. Oh, th- this was an article I read yesterday about them having the, at the Pro Bowl game, they're going to put that in with one of the, oh, the East-West Shrine game is now going to be the same weekend, like the same, they're going to put it together as like the Pro Bowl and the East-West Shrine game or and, something like and that. And it's also the same week as the Senior Bowl, or at so, least the week the Senior Bowl has been in the past. So yeah, I, I saw that. I didn't under, why would you put the Shrine Bowl the same week as the Senior Bowl? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah Unless I, they're going to move the Senior Bowl, which I maybe they will. I think they're going to move will, the Senior Bowl. Which would stink, because then that's like going to that. blow up so. my February. That means, that, means, that means February is going to be like Senior Bowl, week off, combine. Which means February is just, you know, which, which is great. Lots of work. Well, which probably means I could take a week off in January, which isn't a bad thing, to be honest with you. So, well, hopefully we won't be taking weeks off in January because the Giants will be playing playoff games. I should point that out first. That's but, right. 
That's optimistically speaking. And yes. I, I think that they will this year. We, we may be able to get an extra. We might get 18 games in this year, John. Hey, look, Jeff, we even talked about it, and I'll just say this before we say goodbye. We don't do predictions here, but to me, more so than, boy, this is probably going back seven, eight years now. I am more optimistic about this team than I've been on any, been about with any team probably since 2013 or 12. The 15 team when they spent all that money. Yeah, I guess going into the 2016 season when they when they brought in all those guys, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably that would be the year. But I still think that caught us by surprise a little bit, how good they were that year. Because they remember, that was McAdoo's first year too, right? They just changed coaches. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I would say that. But yeah. other, other than that, going back even further. I can't even remember. You know, coming off the 2011 year. Yeah. You know, well, in 2012, they were good again, but they didn't make the playoffs. And then 2013 was the was the disaster year. And 14. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, 2013 was when Eli threw almost 30 picks. That was just the... And the well, offensive line just, you know, completely disintegrated. That was the that was the nightmare year. And, you know, Kevin Gobride lost his job that year. That was a year nothing went right. But why, why are we so, you know, optimistic? It's because I feel like we've seen... We have a year of... We get, a, you know, a sample size of Joe Judge, his staff, this, this team... I think this team has great leadership, something you need to go to the next level. I think Logan Ryan on defense, you've got all kinds of leaders on offense. Um, and then I just feel like there's so much depth on this team now that they never had. So this this is just all this together makes you feel uh, good, makes you feel good, a little giddy about going into the 2021 season. I'm excited. Let's go. Tee it up. Not with you. And look, 2012, they just go by the plus minus. They were plus 85 in 2012. They won nine games that year, okay? Plus 85? Yeah, plus 85 in 2012. They won nine games, did not make the playoffs. But then What's plus 85? In terms of point differential during the course oh, of the okay. year. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yep, okay. They scored gotcha. 429, okay. gave up 344. I got you, yeah, I just was curious. Okay, so they're plus 85. And then okay. the years after that, minus 89, <laughs> minus 20, minus 22. 26, plus 26 in 2016, which, by the way, shows you what an outlier that year was, that mm-hmm. they were 11-5 and five, but only plus 26. And what were they last year? Minus 77. Mm-hmm. That's because they couldn't score. Minus 110 in 2019, minus 43 in 2018. So that's when we're talking about, like, and look, last year, minus 77. Not great, Bob. You but like again, that. You, that's a big indicator for you, isn't it? It Point is. Differential. No, it absolutely. I mean, you talked a, about that that's before. A big, that's a big. That's a big indicator. Yeah. But I think what you like is that the point differential got a lot better the second half of the year. So you hope you build up to that. Though those lad, that three game losing streak in December, not great either. You know that mm-hmm. that that didn't help things. Yep. Which is why I'm maybe not as quite as positive as Detino is because while they did finish the year strong, you did have those three games in there against good teams where they did not perform well in December. Well, so that the playoffs. Yeah, so that to me is a little bit of a red flag where you're, I'm not quite as all in as say Detino is, but I think the additions that they made in the off season with Galladay and Jackson and those guys make me feel better about it. And they still won six games, and I well, think based on the differential, six games is about where they probably should have landed in terms of you know their record. So you win a <laughs> few more, you get to nine. You're nine and eight. Maybe you squeeze out a couple close games. You get to ten and seven. Maybe if everything goes right, you get to eleven and six. I think that's possible. Well, I really do. And and you have Saquon coming back and Jones heading into his third year, where you hope he takes a jump. And, and I think you that's, have the NFC East. And you have the NFC East. So I think that's how you get to ten or eleven. 
Thank God you're not playing in an NFC West. <laughs> wow. You ain't kidding. <laughs> that one's going to be fun. That one's going to be fun. Well, we went super long, Jeff. We shouldn't have. That's okay. We owe it to enough. our fans. We did. Hopefully That's you guys it. enjoyed it on the podcast. I think the stream's probably off the website already, so you probably can't yeah, even right. be listening live right now. <laughs> anyway, thanks for being with us, Jeff. I believe yep, you're back you. tomorrow, correct? With uh with, with, with uh, Paulie Dots, if I'm not That's mistaken? It. Yep, I will be on tomorrow. All right, so check it out on noon on Thursday, Detino and Fegels, and then on Friday we will do our – uh, second half of the defensive over-unders with Meadow and Detino. Lance will go under on everything. Detino will go over on everything. <laughs> and we'll have a great time. Yeah, good show. For Jeff, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you tomorrow on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one, everybody. Goodbye, everybody.